0: Welcome back to the podcast, Unbinding the Bible. As you probably saw in the title, this is a bonus episode. I've decided to take some of the questions that I've been receiving from some of you listeners and to do a little bit of a QA, and a some of the questions that you have, and then we can think through maybe some of the implications of those questions and what that means for our, our day-to-day lives. And so on the podcast today... I have a really special friend of mine, Corey Reeder. He is a chaplain in the Army and is stationed at Fort Bragg right now in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And Corey and I have been incredibly close friends for, I would say, at least 12 years. I did his wedding a number of years back, but he is a very, very dear friend of mine with his experience in leadership and leadership and pastoral church experience and just being someone that I have bounced thousands of ideas off over the years. Corey is a sharp thinker. He loves people um, and is very, very tender and just a lot of fun to be around. And so I've invited him to be a part of this episode. And I know that you're going to enjoy this, probably not as much as Corey and I will, but that's okay. We're thankful that you uh, are still tuning in and are a part of this podcast. So here we go. Hey, I'd like to welcome Corey Reeder to the show today on our first bonus episode, first
1: cue and answer episode. Corey, are you there? Hey, Josh, I'm here. Thanks so much for having me. Longtime listener, first time caller. Oh, (laughs) Oh, that's good. So I think that you, but right before this, you have recorded some kind of little intro, so I don't need to tell the whole world who I am. But what I'm sure you did not say about me is that I am a huge fanboy of your podcast um i love what you're doing brother and uh it's really cool just to be a part of this to get to do uh, a little q a um so thanks so much for bringing me in
0: yeah well thanks cory and no i did not say that you were a fan of mine but for everybody listening in it's uh you're going to find out pretty quickly why i've chosen to do a QA with Corey. so Corey's. just to the podcast and, and we really decided that with some of these questions coming in it's so much more fun we think to have a conversation about some of these questions as opposed to just me responding in an email and, and just having some written words down on a page so since that's the point of a podcast is to listen into to an audio and, and a conversation I've asked Corey to to take some of the questions that I've received and to just pose them and then I'll offer some answers, and then he'll, he'll share some insights as well.
1: Yeah, that's right, and hopefully we don't have any weird uh, internet cutouts or anything like that, but if we do, bear with us, and um, we'll, we'll enjoy this conversation. I hope you will as well. Um, so Josh, like you said, I got a couple of the questions that you've gotten, some of them by email, some of them uh, just from, from listeners. Um, and you were able to pass some of those along with me. So uh, the first one here, actually, is reaching back to episode two, Is Your Gospel Big Enough? And uh, I'm a dad of three young children. I got three little girls who are six, four, and two. So I, I think about this question in particular. I, I like this question a lot. Um, and it said, uh, you know, speaking about is your gospel big enough, how, how would um, parents, or for that matter, those who teach children, teachers of children, um, and, and even teens perhaps help their kids and their teens to understand this um, bigger gospel?
0: Yeah, um, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I, I have three kids as well. Mine are 16, 14, and 12, and so I guess mine fit more into the teens category. Um, but but honestly, I, I think it begins with a healthy view of life in the garden. Um, I, I grew up in a context that seemed to emphasize a fall slash redemption model of the gospel, and what I mean by that is that that sin was often the starting point for the gospel and for a gospel conversation, hmm. and and the end was what Jesus did to remove from us the the consequences of that okay. sin, and and that's true, but but that's not the whole that's not the whole story, and so in the Bible we actually see something far more profound. It's what many have actually called the creation fall redemption. Restoration, and, and it's a more complete picture of I think some of the ideas that are, that are going on. And so what we need is a, is a stronger understanding of the relationships between God and his world, between God and man, between man and man, between man and the rest of the creation before sin actually ruined everything. And, and so the way I do this with my kids, and I've tried, and there's always more to be done here, but is to actually sit down and talk with them. About the first two chapters of Genesis a lot. Yeah. Um, what, what's there? What's not there? Uh, what's God concerned with? Why is he concerned with those things? You know, it's, it's really funny, but when this question came through and I started to think about it, I, I realized that's really the entire point of the Unbinding the Bible podcast. <laughs> and I mean, it, and just a little spoiler for you listeners um, we will still be exploring Genesis 1 to 2 through episode 15. Um, and that's because this is important. It's very, very important. Yeah. And it's talked about far less than it should be. So I guess one way I could encourage you is that if, if your kids are old enough to listen in like like mine, um, I would encourage them to do so. Yeah. Um, if, if they're younger, Corey, for, for your girls, you know, I, I would take some of the concepts and try to teach them to your kids. Kids are way more creative than we are as adults. Um, let them draw pictures. Let them play act, make home movies, et cetera. Many of your kids are already doing these things. I know Sunday school teachers could have skits and crafts, but pulling out a theme like, you know, how many times does the word God show up in Genesis 1? You know, that's a crucial concept. And then for God to say, let us make man in our image and talk to the kids about the relationships between things made in his likeness or, or after its kind or according to its kind and ask them what they think that means um just so that we can begin to get a bigger picture of yeah what it means to be human and and it and it always you know gets them to ask lots of why questions kids love to ask them we need to do it with our kids and it gets them thinking and then they're going to turn around and challenge us and uh my only encouragement would be try not to offer you know, simplistic answers to many of our kids' mm. deep questions. Don't don't be afraid of their questions. Yep. But but be don't also don't be afraid to say, you know, I don't really know the answer. Why don't we see if we can figure it out together? Yeah. Um, and I think that would make a much much healthier healthier approach. So. Um,
1: I, I like that. And one of my one of my jobs actually currently at the the chapel that I'm serving with. All, all army chaplains kind of have to serve. At least at one of our chapels in some capacity, and so one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm a children's pastor as well at our chapel, and uh, I love the way that kids don't always have the same categories of thinking, and so sometimes they will just. Uh, I'm out here outside. You can hear my neighbor. My, my neighbor's got a big old dog, and he's he's not excited that I'm that I'm here recording to with you today. But no, so kids don't have the same categories. They don't have. They'll they'll ask a question that comes from out of left field. And you're like, oh man, wow, that's really different. But also, our questions can give them categories. And so, let's sticking, Josh, like sticking with Genesis one and two. Is there a because especially if we're going to camp out here for quite a few weeks, which I'm stoked about, are there questions that as we read this with our kids or or teach other kids or teens or whatever, are there questions that we can ask them? that will maybe give them new categories of thought or, uh, I mean, I don't want to totally put you on the spot with that and like, but, but maybe what, what could we do to help them think in new categories and new ways?
0: Yeah. So it's, it's interesting in Genesis one in particular, um, at least I, I tried to tried to point this out a little bit, but, but focusing on what are the kinds of things that, that God is describing and I, it's hard for me to answer this question and limit it to the first few episodes. Cause I've been, right pre-recording other episodes and when we start getting into what the garden was like and what it looked like and why it looks that way those are some great questions to ask but just as you take the time to read through the passage slowly noticing the patterns you know uh, that could be a question that you could pose to a child of any age to read Genesis 1 and then read it again and ask them to tell you what are the repeated parts Yep. why are they repeated and of course we can get into this too but there are certain times where phrases come up, and the things that have been repeated numerous times aren't repeated any longer, um like we looked at in um, yeah. in episode seven. and so yeah. to to point out that and to ask them why do they think that's the case? and then mm. to to circle back around and say, maybe you know the Bible does a lot in telling us what it what it wants us to know. And then the Bible also sometimes by not telling us things that we expected it to tell us we learn new things and that's sometimes something that we don't always realize we kind of bring our own preconceived notions to the passages and expect when that's not always what they're doing right using.
1: right yeah and and it's kind of like the spoiler alert thing too where you know you're you're like hey kids guess what like we're we're going back to what god had intended in the beginning we're going back to that and so even asking them about what things were present especially chapter, in Genesis chapter 2, what things were present that um, that were not, um, you know, hey, what does it mean? You know, oh, hey, marriage is in there. Work is in there. Um, the goodness of creation, the role of the garden, a lot of the stuff that's involved in the image of God it, it is all there, part of it. Uh, so I think that's really good. I don't want to – we can camp out forever and, you know, release five-hour bonus episodes that we, in which we totally – so I want to I also discipline myself <laughs> to keep right. us moving, which is, is hard for me, exorbitant amount of discipline. But okay, so another thing about me as a chaplain is I'm like one of the only types of pastors, because uh, I do think of myself as a pastor. I'm like one of the only types of pastors who actually spends more time with non-believers than I do with believers. Uh, yeah. And so one one of the things I thought, especially continuing on this this uh, episode with is your gospel big enough, is does this like nuanced view – it's not like new gospel, I came up with this – but does does a nuanced view of the gospel affect the way we do evangelism? And if so, what if you were bumping into a curious non-Christian? How would you explain kind of this nuanced view that you're presenting here in episode two? Yeah, no, that's also a good question.
0: Um I'll just answer it from my own perspective, which is all I have. But in my understanding, um looking at a more holistic view of the gospel actually makes evangelism a lot easier. Hmm. And let me see if I can let me see if I can explain what I mean. So you know, any person, not just a Christian, so let's take any number of the men that you work with on a regular basis, they can look around them and they just instantly can see a world that is not what everyone wishes it was. I mean, that there, there are problems everywhere. Life doesn't always seem fair. There are good parts about life. And why is it that we're drawn to those good parts or we're drawn to beauty or we hate ugliness or, you know, pain is real. Suffering is real. And nearly every one of these people has some idea of the cause of these kinds of problems and has probably begun thinking through solutions they think might actually help to solve them. I mean, we just walked through you know election time and people of our going to the polls doing what they think will help right. to fix the problems and so people have thought through these things well this is excellent so engage them at just that point um, listen to how they identify issues that need resolving um, whether they be issues in their own lives or in others lives or in society's life and what they think would make things hmm. better. So start by engaging them right where they are and then ask questions, yeah. lots and lots of questions. Get to know their concerns. Get to know how they see the world and whether or not they're open yeah. to the possibility of involving God in their worldview you know, to help make better sense of the things they see. And what solutions might might actually work. So for, for you and for me, if we believe, and, and this is a question, you know, I, I posed is your gospel big enough and presented how I understand this to be the case. But if we believe Jesus is the answer to everything that went wrong in the fall, then we need to share the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ in a way that addresses all the sorts of things that went wrong in the fall. That's right. And and that means that sharing the gospel may not be something you do in a five-minute conversation Hmm. with a stranger. I I mean I'm just going to come right out and say that. I know there's plenty of evangelism techniques and pithy little statements to say to to corner a person on the street. I'm actually not a big fan of those um, because I think it needs to involve much more relationship. I think it's going to need to involve a lot of time, a lot of effort. It's going to need to involve real listening and it's going to need to be packaged in a whole lot of love yes. because yes. people are are thinkers. They're they're trying to make sense of the world that they see, and we have a perspective as well. But I have witnessed, and I sadly have been a part of the idea that, hey, I'm just going to tell you the truth about Jesus, and now it's up to you to deal with that in, 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 in whatever way you feel best, and, and I'm not really caring about that person I'm sort of doing what I think is my role in telling them about Jesus and then kind of leaving it up to them to decide what to do so I know that's just a quick a quick little answer to that but I think that's helpful to to really engage in relationship with with people and, and spend some time in prayer yourself asking when an issue surfaces in that conversation you know prompt me Point that out and say there's a place that you need to spend a little more mm. time getting to know them and, and exploring that view and seeing maybe what else is is under the surface. Yeah, there.
1: interesting. So if I hear you right, it's kind of like you know, looking for the ways in which God's good world and what he has intended is experiencing the brokenness of sin. Yes. In which we are yes. We are already aware of what our sin is doing in our own lives and our own world. We are aware of it. Non-believers are aware of it, even if they don't name it as such. Um, and so, can can I evangelism is super intimidating for maybe like everyone. Um, yeah. So, at, at the risk of being like overly practical, can can have you found any helpful tools? That sort of break it because when you tell me like exploring brokenness and really listening, and just, it's just like, yeah, I feel like I would need like a big education to do that. And I know even earlier in my uh, life and earlier in my training, I've I have felt after having more training than most, I have still felt sometimes underprepared. Are there any tools that are at least heading in the right direction, like li- like stuff you can get your hands on, whether it's like tracks or apps or an approach to doing this that you've seen that you think those guys are in the heading in the right direction? <laughs> <laughs> That's so gosh, funny. Gosh. Um, I actually do. There, there's a, a group of of
0: Christians from. It's actually a, uh, called Matthias Media, and they've actually put together some resources that I think are asking good questions. Um, they're interested in um, drawing people in, but they're drawing them in in a powerfully relational kind of a way and and so um that stuff you can find online they, they do sell tracks again i don't use those a lot myself but if i was going to begin doing that i would probably use something from them of course i'm because i don't use them i'm, I'm not real aware uh, of all of the things that are out there that could be good and please listeners if you're aware of some things and you're tracking with what i've been talking about you know please send me an email and tell me about these things so we can share them with other listeners. But yeah. I, one last thing I would add in, in, in the realm of tracks, in the realm of little booklets, those kinds of things, they tend to feel and sometimes come across as impersonal. And that does not mean they are impersonal, and that does not mean I'm saying those who create them are trying to get away with something that is impersonal. But I will say this. When the Lord himself sent Jesus to bring salvation. He sent a person. Hmm. And at any point in time when the spirit is actively at work in people's lives, he's almost always going to do it through people. This is why man is made in God's image. When God wants something done, he sends a person. That's what he always does. And so evangelism is much less about Apologetics defenses and knowing all the right answers and how to deal with scientific objections, it's much less about that, and it is much more about personal relationship. And so when you get into a relationship with a person, he or she is going to need certain things from that relationship that you're not going to find in an apologetics book, but you'll find as you get to know them and spend time with them.
1: Yeah, no, I, I can't agree more. It is very personal. Uh, and even as a chaplain, like that is what I love about my ministry is that it is with work out with, um, with people doing their work in their space in their place. And, um, you know, it get to be with them. And I would say, you know, whatever tool you have, you can you can use it for good. You can you can rely on it too heavily or not enough. But personal. I echo. I echo your thoughts and agree on those. Um, I, I want to uh, jump ahead here. We had a, a good question. Uh, I don't. There may have been a million good questions from episode four, which was the competing creation narrative, the uh, episode dealing with the Enuma Elish. Yes um which blew blew my mind one of my questions was bro what the heck you, i don't think you fielded that one i don't think you didn't send that one to me as one of the um but anyway let set this one up so there's a you you kind of pitched an idea
0: sorry about that i think we were having a few technical difficulties Corey, are you
1: back Hey, yeah, I'm back. Uh, Let's. I think we were on the question with episode four, so let me jump right in there with the creating or uh, competing creation narrative question. Um, So in that episode, you talked about the this concept of redemptive violence um, that rises out of that narrative, Um, and it seems like that view is prevalent with international relations and international conflict particularly in America and and really even among um, American Christians you know you just just bombed them all just bombed those other pl- countries and, um, and and I get that um, and so what the question here is um, you say that might doesn't make right and so how might a Christian view of the good but fallen creation change um, Change our instincts or our gut reactions when it comes to international conflicts, in particular. Sorry for that softball, easy one there. No, sorry.
0: that's that's okay. I figured that was coming. So,
1: um, well, you know, I appreciate the use of the word
0: "gut reactions" um, in that particular question because I think that's exactly, I think that's exactly what's happening. Um, I like it also that you talk about a good but fallen creation because I think. The idea is that we're all trying to get back to that place of goodness, and how does that come about? Um, but yeah, I, I think the idea of redemptive violence is so ingrained in us that the, the just bomb them mantra really does seem to be the only solution. Um, and yet based on some things that Jesus says, that can't be the only solution. Uh, when Jesus says to Peter on the night that he's arrested, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword, he, he says that to Peter… Um, right after Peter takes a sword and cuts off the high priest's ear, um, but that was Peter's gut reaction to Jesus being arrested. And and honestly, I think that some of those gut reactions are the very things that Jesus's um, suffering and and death and then resurrection have come to try to undo. And uh, you know, Jesus later says to Pilate even that you know, my kingdom is not of this world. It's not a worldly kingdom. It's not something that you can just reach out and grasp a hold of. And so we, we do have kind of a conflated conflation of, of conflicting ideas here. We have the, the fact that there's um, Americans, and then there are also Christians. And, and that has always been kind of a, a nerve um, ending spot for me, just as I try to imagine, how do you relate well to a world that has bought into certain ideologies? But how do you relate to it in the sense of being faithful to, to Jesus. And so you know it might help really um, to this particular question, I think as it relates to how America views itself in international conflicts, but I think it's this particular question gets at the heart of the America is a Christian nation idea. Um, for, for those who hold this kind of a view, it, it seems justifiable in the eyes of many people that, that, that America's agenda is somehow synonymous with God's agenda. And therefore threats to America are somehow the same as threats to God, but this just isn't true. Um, America is not a Christian nation um, by definition. Um, I I think I know what people mean when they use that phrase, but it's just not accurate. Uh, America as a nation was founded on principles of religious freedom, and some of those who were influential in founding this nation…  … may have been Christians themselves, but that does not make America a Christian nation. And and that's the case for one very simple reason. America does not exist as a nation with the sole purpose of furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world, period. That is not why America is a nation. But to be a Christian means one has been forgiven of his sins trusted in Jesus Christ's offer of salvation for him personally, for her personally, been adopted into God's family and received a new identity. But that is not what it means to be an American. And so, like I said, we have this strange attempt to merge these two concepts, Christian and American. Now, there can be Americans who are also Christians living in this country, absolutely. But just having them living here does not make our nation Christian. Now, according to the Bible, interestingly enough, there is such a thing as a Christian nation, a body of people with the sole purpose of furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout the world, and they're called the church. Oh snap! Oh snap! I know. <laughs> I was waiting for the oh snap, but the, and and I choose my words carefully. But I think that's really important to point out. And Peter does it better than anyone in First Peter two nine. When he's writing to Christians scattered throughout the Roman Empire, many of which were facing extreme persecution for their allegiance to Jesus. And here's what he says to them. But you, Christians, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I think – so, Man. Yeah. So go I, ahead no, for I it. think
1: I think yep. I think that is like if I could just say just responding to this personally I know that probably not too many people or anyone that I know will be listening to this I you know kind of have to speak carefully I am in the army but I, I you know the only greater authority I'm thinking um your citizenship is in heaven behave as citizens worthy of the gospel Um, and, uh, you know, what really struck me when I heard this episode, what really floored me, because I, I did not expect I, – I thought that these ideas were going to be fascinating but not striking. And for me, the way it hit me was that those impulses that I feel that, are, that ring true in our society, it's like, yeah, that sounds like how we think. I was completely not expecting that to be – correlated with a babylonian creation myth you know what i mean and so it was what it floored me to think holy smokes like my people uh, some of our deepest gut reaction held beliefs uh, identify noticeably maybe just in part but noticeably identify with the ethos of this Babylonian creation myth, and 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 then it's like, well, to th- to what extent then am I not formed by? Is my imagination not formed by the biblical creation narrative? Um, so, thank you for that episode. I was, I was pretty, I was kind of floored by that one. Well,
0: I, it's encouraging to know that I, I was also floored, and I've received a, a number of comments about that episode in particular. So maybe for some of the same reasons. So. And I know there's a lot more that could be said. We didn't really address all international conflicts. But the idea that that peace is come through the person of Jesus, and it comes through him absorbing violence into himself to put it to death, not imposing that violence onto someone else, it's certainly food for thought that ought to drive us back exactly what you said, back to asking, is our imagination, is our narrative, is our understanding of the world driven more from Genesis 1 creation, or is it driven from a Babylonian creation? And I think there's lots more that could be said about that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of Genesis 1, you got a good number of questions from uh, episode 5. So uh, one good one that you could probably say a whole lot about, or maybe not to, to elaborate on later, but image of God. Is this an individual reality, or a corporate reality, or both.
0: Hey, that's an excellent question. Um, definitely, definitely both. Um, scripture supports this, and I, I'm going to have a lot of fun with this in some future episodes. So I won't go into all the details here. But um, you know, Adam is the the first man made, and he's referred to in some of the genealogies in Genesis as the son of God. Um, but in Exodus chapter four, when God sends Moses in to um, … tell Pharaoh to let his people go. He refers to Israel as a nation, as his son in the singular. And that, that begins a, a series of events that we see expressed really clearly in Exodus 32, which is at that Mount Sinai when Israel is committing idolatry with a golden calf at the base of Mount Sinai while Moses is at the top of the mountain receiving the commandments of God, one of which is do not make graven images… Um, But what happens when Moses comes down the mountain is he speaks to Aaron, who is the representative of the people, but the people and Aaron are spoken about interchangeably. Um, Aaron is accused and blamed for the people. Aaron turns on the people and blames them, but one of the final verses in in Exodus 32 um, references Moses is speaking to Aaron, and um, he actually says – let me find it exactly – but it says, then the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf the one that Aaron made, and it it, it mm. begins this concept of a, of a representative head of the people, um, one representative representing an entire body of people. And when you come to the New Testament, this concept was already believed by the Israelites um, as went the king, so went the people. That's a very similar – it's a very common idea. But, but as we've already looked at in Colossians 1 and Hebrews 1, Jesus is very clearly spoken of as the one who is the image of the invisible God. But Jesus, it, which makes him, I guess, the perfect individual human being, but Jesus is also the representative of all that Israel as a nation was supposed to be. So Jesus isn't just an individual king or an individual human. He is the embodiment of what the entire nation of Israel was supposed to do and was supposed to be. And so you could say that Jesus himself is both the perfect individual human being made in the image of God, as well as the representative body of people made in the image of God. And I, I don't want to steal your thunder, Corey. But it, as it as it reaches into the the very last question in the episode, I'll I'll pull in a question. Actually, I'll tell you what. Why don't you Why don't you ask? Why don't we get to that last question? And I want to connect it to the answer that I just gave you about the about being made in the image of God as a corporate reality. So let's do that.
1: Yeah this this next question was really intentionally a follow on from this previous one, meaning asking first of all yes or no. Are only Christians made in the image of God, or is it all people?
0: Yes, yeah, so all people, all people definitely, and I could have made that more clear. All people are, are made in the image of God. As human beings, everyone's an image bearer.
1: Right, But there, and, the, and yet there is a sense in which because people who are saved are in Christ, united with Christ, they are um, mysteriously joined to him. They're part of his body. Yes. Salvation is a restoration. Is is salvation a restoration of the image? Is an image gone, marred? All people are in the image, but salvation is doing something with that image, right? Can, Absol- talk absolutely. Talk more about that, if you will.
0: Yes, I absolutely will. And the New Testament speaks highly about this. It speaks about it a lot. But yes, salvation is a restoration of the image of God, but again, both as individual and as uh, corporate or communal or or representative body of people. This is why when the New Testament speaks of the church, it speaks of the church as the body of Christ. So you have this idea that all humanity was made, and from that single humanity— Jesus comes, but Jesus is also a representative of the entire nation of Israel. And when he embodies the promises that they were, um, that, that were given to Israel, they, they are united in Jesus. And now everyone who is connected to Jesus begins to be transformed from the inside. And, and this happens both at a communal level and at an individual level. So let me, I mean, let me just give you an example. In Romans 8, um, Paul is writing, um, talking about the role of the Spirit, and he says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. And And Paul will speak to the Galatians, and he tells them in chapter 4, my little children, for whom I'm again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And so he is – he's speaking To individual Christians, but he's also speaking to the whole church, and he tells them, I want Christ to be formed in you. Well, what does Christ be formed in you mean? Well, if Christ is the perfect image of the invisible God, and he has come to set people free from the bondage that they've created by their own sinful choices, then to be conformed to the image of his son means to be restored back to once again demonstrating image of god type living so i just so, yeah go ahead
1: I just had a like a mini epiphany right now literally um if we think about it doesn't happen often just me, let me enjoy it um let, so if we think about salvation that word um oftentimes in the bible um is used as a past reality by faith we have been saved um Oftentimes as a present reality, um, see if I can pull an example. Um, uh, you know, it's often, it it is often pulled, you know, watch your life and your doctrine by this, you will save yourself and your hearers. Or maybe even that would be future example there, but, but a future, well, you will save, you know, uh, but a future reality as well, that, that salvation is something that will not be fully completed until the eschaton, until judgment, until the second coming, um, and so, this just there is a sense in which the full restoration of the image of God that was breathed into, the in which Adam was made, that was breath of life breathed into him, will not be fully restored until the ultimate end. Yes. Um, which that to me, okay. So, um, you, you know, I, I have a big soft heart for folks with um special needs or i think dif- different abilities is now the, the terminology but you know you think about people sometimes define the image of god as you know the ways in which we're similar to god ration and reason and things like that and you're like well shoot then like so and so with down syndrome is is he less in the image of god or whatever mm. but but maybe or maybe not i don't know if i'm off base i'm reaching here but i if at, at a minimum we would agree that that individual to the extent he or she is able to, um, uh, partake of the life of Christ and the life of the church and ascend the, the truths of, of Christ and to live in that community and to hope for the second coming, that individual will be even more restored fully. Mm, That, that person is not less in the image of God now, but will experience the restoration of that image more fully because it's past, present, and future. Salvation is past, present, and future, so the restoration of the image will also still be taking place. It is still to come fully.
0: Yes, and and this is why I think when when you would ask and, – and, you know, of course, episode six was a sermon that I preached, and, and there are a, a lot of the, those listening to that on a Sunday morning who are already Christians – Right. And so I do tend to tailor what I'm saying specifically to that group. Yes. But but Christians, as human beings as well, but, but Christians, virtue of our place in Christ, are having our fallen image restored, and we're the first in line to do so. And hopefully that means we're the first to admit that we have an ongoing need to be restored. And of course that jumps us right back into you know episode four. What about gut reactions? Does the gospel address that? Is there something broken in our image that causes us to have gut reactions of violence is gonna win the day? You know These types of things. But when Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and he tells them that, that Jesus has ascended and sent gifts of people to the church to build up the body of Christ, he says in verse 13 of chapter four, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so Paul reaches down deep and says, you individual believers are going to be conformed to the image of Christ, but you as a church in the unity of the Spirit are going to be conformed into something that is, that is up to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. But it is going to continue to grow in that way for the rest of, of time, like you said, until the end. And so that process has begun, but it is not final. But we, we draw our strength from the image of God himself and then through the Holy Spirit seek to live that out, both as we come to him for personal need and also learn to live in unity. And harmony and love and forgiveness with one another as we live out that unity, um, you know, in our day to day lives.
1: Mm. So, yeah, man. I well, when I hear that, I think, you know, growing into the full mature stature of Christ. Guys like me have a long way to go because I'm I'm like five six with my boots on. I Think that that's. What people... <laughs> But yes, you
0: need it. You need a little, you need a little step ladder. That's right. Hey, you know, and, uh... to full
1: mature <laughs> stature. Uh, I just, you know, I like to take more steps than you when we run at our theological discourse pace. Exactly, so, that's exactly but, right.
0: That's exactly right. Man, we could, like, but, uh, on yeah, it looks on. like it looks like we may we could yeah, probably go on and on. And and i, like I, I to do through some all
1: stuff, stuff specifically on Sabbath, but I think to kind of honor everyone's time with the normal episode length in mind Um, maybe we could just kind of hit pause here and then I'd love I hope we can do this again and keep doing future episodes maybe even get some questions and comments from our listeners I would encourage listeners uh, this is just Josh didn't ask me to do this but like send in your questions that unbinding the bible at gmail.com is a real live email through which Josh can receive questions uh, follow up there can be more of this Um, and, and while you're at it, jump on iTunes and leave him a rating and review that will help the podcast out, uh, tremendously. So Josh, you didn't ask me, that's just free plug, man. Um,
0: Hey, I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Corey. It was so good to have you on the, on the show. Thanks for, thanks for all your input, just for your support, your encouragement. And, um, yeah, I would love to do something like this again and we'll see. Hopefully the listeners will too. So thanks Thanks a lot,
1: man. We'll be in touch soon.
0: All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to our very first bonus episode. As Corey shared, I would love for you to email me any of your questions, things that you've been thinking about as a result of listening to the first few episodes. And you can email those to me at unbindingthebible at gmail.com. And as usual as well, I would love for you to give me a review and or a rating on Apple Podcasts um, is the most popular app, but any app that you're listening to this podcast on, I would love to hear a review from you. It helps other listeners be able to find this podcast and be encouraged by it as well. Until next time, thanks for listening.